chapter one of recollections of a missionary in the great west by cyrus townsend brady this librivox recording is in the public domain once upon a time the dean of an episcopal cathedral in a far western state asked a young man who had been a cadet midshipman in the united states navy and was then a railroad official to join a confirmation class he was organizing the dean and the young man boarded in the same house at the time the dean in the parlor the young man in the garret and a great friendship had arisen between them the young man whose antecedents were all presbyterian did not wish to be confirmed when the dean pressed him he replied firmly in the negative and when the dean withdrew he dismissed the subject from his thoughts the very next day he walked into the dean's office in the evening and announced his intention of joining the class he had given the matter no thought in the interim and knew not until long after that the dean and some good friends of his who happened to like the young man had made his confirmation the subject of special prayer the dean is dead now but the young man will never forget him he was a great-hearted manly christian man able devoted hard-working and so beloved by all who came in contact with him that the papers said of him after he entered into life what motley said of william the silent when he died the little children cried in the streets and the words were exactly true in due course after his confirmation the young man was moved by that which he cannot explain to study for the ministry he was very busily employed during the day in a responsible position in the general office of one of the great railroad systems of the world and the necessity of supporting his family constrained him to continue his work but he found time early in the morning during the noon hours going to and from work and late in the night to prosecute his studies so successfully that by and by he was ordained deacon and appointed assistant minister to the overworked dean in the cathedral the first and only duty that devolved upon him for some time was the attending of funerals all the unattached episcopalians in the city who wanted to be married or buried or helped naturally came to the cathedral the winter was very severe and there were i think thirteen funerals in fifteen days most of which the assistant conducted life in the ministry seemed to be made up of nothing but attending funerals and the young man who had known but little sorrow and grief at that time nearly broke down under the strain caused by the suffering he witnessed and shared until the dean came to his rescue and took the funerals himself the cathedral had a large staff of honorary clergy on the rolls who were all busy with their other duties in the diocese and were rarely there the bishop one of the best and sweetest of men to whom this minister owes more than he can say was very fond of referring to the cathedral clergy inasmuch as i was usually the only one visibly present the people and especially the other clergymen dropped into the habit of referring to me alone as the cathedral clergy in such phrases as this we saw the cathedral clergy this morning he was looking cheerful and happy i have never filled so exalted a position since then nor do i ever expect to be so much of anything as i was when i was the whole cathedral clergy myself the bishop of course like every other western bishop was very hard pressed for men 
he always had a half dozen places clamouring for services with no money to pay for them and no men to take them even if there had been money so he got into the habit naturally of asking the dean to detail one of his staff i was the whole staff to go out to various places on sundays to conduct services the dean did not like it much but he complied like the loyal churchman he was and one of my first details was to a little struggling church for colored people i had written a few sermons for similar visitations and for the friday night congregations of the cathedral but due notice of this assignment having been given me i determined to extemporize i did not have any very great confidence in my ability to do so for the only time i had ever tried to speak without notes had been at a sympathetic dinner which the gun crew of which i was captain while at the united states naval academy had given me on the occasion of my being deprived of my exalted cadet rank for some boyish prank i had commenced on that occasion in a style worthy of pericles and had lasted for about three sentences whereupon i sat down collapsed rather amid friendly cheers and laughter the dean was a most fluent and easy extemporaneous speaker and he encouraged me to attempt it so i resolved to try it unworthy thought upon the coloured brethren the subject i selected was belshazzar i find it is a popular theme with youthful speakers exactly why i do not know possibly because it is supposed to be easy i found it extremely hard i prepared the sermon with the greatest care shutting myself up in my study for days beforehand and preaching it over and over again to imaginary congregations with great effect at last the hour of service arrived the little church since grown into a strong hard-working parish was at that time in a very dilapidated condition it had a boy choir vested mostly in blue cassocks with two acolytes in red ones and one lone coloured brother and myself in black the altar and other hangings belonged to different sets and the colour scheme was striking not to say bizarre it was a ritualistic church at that time and they did a great many things to which i was not accustomed and which greatly disconcerted me we managed to get through the service however in some fashion and i have no doubt i disconcerted them as much as they did me when the time came for the sermon as i stepped to the front of the chancel on that hot august night to address my perspiring little congregation who should come into the chapel but the chief examiner of the diocese a man whom personally we all loved but whom officially we feared above all other men for the severity with which he insisted upon a literal compliance with the rigid requirements before he passed a candidate whom he examined for the priesthood he was a tall thin man with white hair and a keen though kindly blue eye he came solemnly into the church sat down in a front pew folded his arms and fixed his eye upon me i returned his stare with agonized interest this was not trying it on the coloured brethren at all there was a long dreadful pause finally i opened my mouth desperately and swallowed a gnat i moved to reconsider but the motion was lost there was a violent coughing spell in which my carefully prepared sermon on belshazzar was shattered into fragments when i recovered my composure 
no i never did recover my composure but when i stopped coughing abandoning the gnat to his fate i had no sermon i explained the fact to the congregation something in this fashion dearly beloved brethren i have forgotten the sermon which i prepared i beg to assure you that i did prepare one and instead of that sermon i will tell you my experience in the johnstown flood which i proceeded to do with great outward unction but inward misery the cathedral clergy felt very small indeed that night what the moral and spiritual effect of that discourse was i never learned but i never heard the last of that effort and i am sometimes reminded by my brethren especially the chief examiner of the famous sermon i preached on the johnstown flood i would walk around the block to avoid him when i saw him coming for some time after that among the duties devolved upon me at the cathedral was that of daily visiting a hospital nearby in the eye and ear department there was a little old woman wife to one of those hard-working heroic methodists who helped to build up the kingdom of god on the distant frontier she had been blind for a dozen years a hunting party in which there was an eminent oculist happened to stop at the rude lodge where she dwelt with her husband and children the kindly physician who made an examination of her eyes determined that a cure was possible and had resolved to effect it himself hence the presence of the old woman in the hospital i had visited her many times during her long stay and we became very well acquainted this of which i speak was the first visit i made her after an absence on a long vacation she was in a little room about ten feet square opposite this room and separated from it by a narrow corridor was another room and the doors of both were open when i entered she was seated with her eyes shaded she looked at me actually looked at me as i stood in the door and when i spoke she recognized my voice oh she said the operation was performed some time ago and it is a success i can see i can see she fairly beamed with a chastened humble sort of joy as she continued i'm going back home soon i am going back to look into the face of that brave old man my husband who has stood by me in my days of darkness i am going to clasp in my arms another younger man who was a little boy when i saw him last i am going to press to my heart a young girl they tell me she is beautiful who was a baby at my breast when the light went out i am so grateful to god that whereas i was blind now i see that i thank him every day every hour every moment even i am glad you are come we will thank him together first i and then you and so we knelt down in the little room in the hospital in the stillness of that sunny morning that once blind old woman and i the words which came from her lips were rude and simple but they came from an honest grateful heart and they had a power and sweetness all their own i have heard and read many prayers but not many like that one it was a most humble young man who knelt by her side and when she had finished her own fervent outpouring of gratitude he joined his own feeble words to her expressions and then there was a little silence in the room it was broken by the sound of a great tearing sob like that which comes from the breast of a strong man unused to weeping 
we looked up from our knees and there in the doorway with his arms extended in that hopeless helpless gesture peculiar to the newly blind was a splendid stalwart-looking man tears running down his cheeks oh sir he said with a quivering voice you've thanked god for having given that woman back her sight won't you pray to him for me for he has forever taken mine my poor friend learned after a while that there is a country where the eyes of the blind are opened there was a little baby in the family of the young deacon in fact there has almost always been a little baby in his family i remember to anticipate a little that on one occasion a sagacious neighbour of mine and i were exchanging felicitations over the recent arrival in each of our households of another baby not the first one in either case by any means i will tell you what it is mr brady he remarked sagely i love my children i am proud of them i wouldn't take a million dollars for a single one of them but i wouldn't give fifteen cents for another i entirely agreed with him footnote since the above was first published still another baby has arrived in my family i have refused many offers of fifteen cents for him he is not in the market the price of babies has risen well to return to this particular baby one day when i was writing a sermon at which time of course i was very desirous of not being disturbed he came tiptoeing into the room remarking in his childish way i won't disturb you papa and proceeded to clasp his hands around my left hand lying on the desk resting his little curly head upon my arm i wrote on and on in silence presently the hold on my arm relaxed the little body slipped gently down to the floor the hands shifted themselves from my arm to my foot he laid his head upon it and went fast asleep there was a little clock on my desk at the time the room was very still and its ticking was distinctly audible in the perfect quiet as i watched the little lad the clock suddenly stopped we know whose duty it is to wind them that clocks often stop but i never remember to have heard one stop before or since the busy ticking died away and left no sound to break the silence i looked down at the frail life beginning at my feet and thought of the thousands and thousands of lives young and old ticked out with each recurring minute of the stopped clocks a moment since quick with life the lad lay very still in panic terror i awakened him the sermon i had been writing was on the fifth commandment a lesson to children i tore it up then and there in the sight of his innocence and made it a lesson to fathers instead that they might be worthy of the honour commanded from the children and i call it the boy's sermon to this day when he could barely walk i took him to the cathedral one afternoon when i went back for something i had left after morning service i left him down in the nave by the door while i walked up to the chancel i was busy there for a few moments and when i turned to go out he had advanced halfway up the middle aisle and was standing where the declining sun streaming through the great painted west window threw a golden light around his curly head and a tiny little object he was in that great quiet church it was very still he was looking about him in every direction in the most curious and eager way 
to my fond fancy he seemed a little angel as he said in his sweet childish treble which echoed and re-echoed beneath the vaulted gothic roof these words papa where's jesus where's jesus he had been told that the church was the home of the saviour and in his first visit he was looking for him seek seek my boy and ye shall find please god and every other boy and girl that seeketh likewise that baby is quite grown up now there are no curls on his head in no way does he resemble no not in the faintest particular an angel the other day when i rode off to the wars he astonished me with this request he was truculently patriotic during the exciting period father if you get wounded don't forget to bring me the bullet that knocks you out as a souvenir for my collection i promised faithfully but fortune was kinder to me than to him and he still lacks that souvenir for his collection talking about children reminds me of a retort courteous and adequate as well of a little girl whom i baptized long afterwards in a small town on the border of the indian territory her father was a cattleman it would be no extravagance to say that the cattle upon a thousand hills were his if it were not for the fact that there were no hills on his mighty ranch each cattle owner in that country has a different brand with which his cattle are marked and by which he identifies them when the great round-ups occur the mavericks young cattle born on the range which have not been marked belong to the first man who can get his branding iron on them i could only make that town on a weekday and arrangements had been made for the baptism in the morning the young miss about six years of age had just started to the public school and she had to remain away from one session for the baptism in our service we sign those who are baptized with the sign of the cross when she returned to school the children pressed her with hard questions desiring to know what that man with the nightgown on had done to her and if she was now any different from what she was before she tried to tell them that she had been made a member of christ the child of god and an inheritor of the kingdom of heaven but did not very well succeed in expressing the situation so they gathered about her with the unconscious cruelty of children and pushed her over against the theological wall so to speak finally when she had exhausted every other effort she turned on them in this way her eyes flashing through her tears well she said lasping into the vernacular i will tell you i was a little maverick before and the man put jesus brand on my forehead and when he sees me running wild on the prairie he will know that i am his little girl the answer was eminently satisfactory to the small audience they understood her perfectly and the profoundest theologian could scarce have expressed it better End of chapter one